previously on a halfling tale. Taran, a young halfling musician, was caught red-handed sneaking out of the Journey's End Tavern by its owner, Jurok. During the fallout that followed, a bet was made between the two. Hope, Jurok's daughter and Taran's childhood friend, tries to get them to call it off, but Taran is intent on seeing it through as a matter of pride and a personal challenge for himself. The following morning, Tyron is ferried to the city of Tiza, the first stop on his journey to the Battle of the Bards. The contest in Frosh takes place in three days' time, and his journey is just getting underway. The steps he'll take into Tiza will be his first on the continent, and the first on the road to Frosh. The pier eventually merges into the busy dock area, which opens up into the bustling southern half of Tiza. Tyron couldn't help but look around at all the sights and sounds going on around him. He had never traveled anywhere outside of Gree before, but he had heard about Tiza and other places in books. His uncle would occasionally tell him stories about places like this and point them out on the framed map in his room. Experiencing it in person, Tyron learns, goes beyond any previous description. The city was alive, all the people moving and talking out in the street resulted in a constant low rumble that swelled and fell like a heartbeat. Tyron was fascinated by this and was wondering if anyone else was experiencing the same wonderment he was, but looking around, he couldn't see anyone who wasn't in transit to someplace else. The crowd seemed to separate and swirl in erratic patterns as everyone walked down the street individually and collectively going to their destination. One group leaving the brothel heading towards the docks, another group marching towards several inns nearby, a third group entering into the same brothel the first group just left. It was like a play the way everything moved and sang to its own rhythm. There was a scent in the air, Tyron noticed, which he immediately understood as being the smell of adventure, though if he had stopped to think about it for a moment, he might attribute it to the spices being blown in from the marketplace. Whatever the smell was, it was making his empty stomach growl. In his haste to pack last night and leave this morning, Tyron hadn't eaten since yesterday afternoon. As he stands there, contemplating when and where he should stop and eat, he gets shoved forward into the sea of people heading into town. The majority of people Tyron had seen around him thus far were human and stood at least a foot taller than him, which made him hard to see inside the crowd. He was caught off guard by the sudden surge of people behind him, and for a moment is being corralled and forced further into town. People start shoving into him, either not seeing or not caring that he was there outside of their immediate vision. Tyron begins pushing his way through and weaving in and out of gaps until he's free from the crowd. He now stands near the base of a stone sculpture in the middle of the thoroughfare. He looks up and sees the sculpture depicts two cities, separated by a narrowing waterway. The right side is labeled as Tiza, and the left as Tiren. Tyron remembers learning that the two cities were often referred to as Twin Cities, due to their shared origins and mirrored streets. He recalls a drinking song about a man who gets so drunk, he wanders from one city to the next, and breaks into what he thinks is his own home, only to realize his mistake once arrested. Tyron is looking at the sculpture and noticing the subtle differences between the two cities, when he is overtaken by the delicious aroma of food cooking nearby. He looks around and spots a street vendor nearby, tending to a hot stove with large hunks of meat sizzling on top. Every time he flips a piece of meat, there is a sizzle followed by a puff of smoke that engulfs the cook temporarily. 
Tyron's stomach rumbles again, his mouth watering from the savory smell wafting his direction. Before he knows it, his feet are moving in that direction, but now he is being more cautious not to get swept up again. Standing only a few feet away from the stand now, Tyron can see the food up close and remarks at the spread on display. A variety of meat and vegetable skewers hung up above the hot grill, occasionally dripping down onto the other meats being cooked below. Away from the heat sat two simmering pots of what looked to be rich stew in one and another substance he couldn't identify. A stout, middle-aged human behind the stand notices Tyron surveying his food. What can I get you? What do you have? Got legs here, turkey and goat. Got skewers up there, very nice. Hearty stew, turnovers, bean buns. How much for the turkey leg, then? Turkey legs are, let's say, two silver apiece. Goats will cost you three. For reference, there are ten copper coins and a silver, and ten silver and a gold. Tyron had in total around four gold worth of mixed coins on his person, which he had to survive off of until he got to Frosh. It was a rather small amount by most standards, but it was all the money he had in the world at the moment so every coin mattered to him, making him frugal nearly to a fault. Fifty copper or five silver is the same as a day's worth of food, or a night at a modest inn. Tyron thinks on whether or not he can afford this. Normally he'd offer his bardic services as payment, but he didn't have the time. There was still somewhere he had to find, and things left to do. Those sound good, but I was actually wondering if you could help me out with something else. The flailing sail. Have you heard of it? Sure I've heard of it. Could you tell me how to get there? I tell you if you were to buy something. A smirk comes across the man's face, revealing his less than perfect smile. Tyron was familiar with these sort of tricks he pulled on tourists and unsuspecting people. He thought about just walking away right then, but his stomach was beginning to ache with hunger. He looks closer at the stand, trying to assess what would be the least expensive item the man had for sale. For Tyron, had devised a plan. How much for the turnover? Turnovers are, uh, a silver piece. A silver piece? By the gods, man, are you mad? Tyron was speaking loud enough that one or two people walking by turned their heads in his direction. A silver is plenty fair for my food. Sure, if they want to get sick from eating stale food and bad meat, I'm sure someone will gladly pay a silver for that. The man's face started to turn red as he became flustered at these accusations. Tyron's plan seemed to be working. Now you listen here. My food is not stale or old. I prepared it today myself with fresh meat. Any fresher and it would run away from you. I'm sure everyone will have to take your word for it, won't they? They won't know what they're in for it until they take their first bite. But by then it'll be too late. There's a city watching what you're doing to people. What you're doing to their food. This spectacle Tyron was putting on had garnered the attention of several onlookers now. And a murmur was brewing around them. There is nothing wrong with my food or the way it was prepared. Now you keep your voice down. You're scaring away my customers. The cook behind the stand was trying to keep from causing a scene by putting on a calm face and speaking now in a more hushed tone. I don't know what you're getting at by shouting these outrageous claims, but they're all lies and unfounded. The food I make is good and a bargain at full price. Who sent you? Was it Dramsey? The Baker's Guild? Tyron didn't know what the man was talking about, but decided to keep his poker face on and shroud his true intentions. I'm afraid I can't say. What I can say is that I'm on my way someplace to talk to some people in the city and, depending on how this transaction goes, it could impact that meeting. The cook's eyebrows raise as if he is understanding what Tarn was implying. 
Listen, I understand. I understand. What what can I do to make things more favorable? You say these turnovers are the silver to piece, yes? That's right. Taran's face sours at this as he looks away. That's a bit steep for us. If they were, say, three copper apiece, then maybe... Three copper apiece? Now who's mad? They're worth double that easy. For these ones that have been sitting out, surely not. Four. Four copper for these would be as high as I could go. If if they were fresh, I'd be willing to buy a few at the higher price, but... Tyron starts walking away, shaking his head. The man steps from behind the stall and waves him back over. I'll tell you what. The man was speaking in barely a whisper at this point. Listen, we're both reasonable men, right? I'm a businessman, you're a businessman. Tyron nods. Here's what I'll do. I'll sell you fresh ones at five copper piece if you take a few of my turnovers to your meeting, as it were, and... You let them taste how good my food is. Be sure to tell them how affordable and filling they are. They're ten times better than the ones at Dramsey's across town. Deal? Tyron hesitates for a moment in front of the man, as if he were thinking over his proposal, when all Tyron was concentrating on was not giving the man cause to suspect the rules was being performed on him. You have yourself a deal. I'll take half a dozen now, and if things go well, we'll be back for more later. The cook steps back behind his stand and begins making fresh turnovers. He takes a ladle of the milky mixture in the pot and pours out six circles onto the hot griddle. In no time, the flat discs are done on one side and are flipped to the opposite side as a stout man starts filling the inside of the turnovers with cooked meat, onions, and peppers. He spoons in a small amount of the hearty stew into the pocket before sealing it with the thin batter mixture. The man unfolds a white cloth square and places each turnover one by one around its center. He takes the food and ties it up into a bundle before extending it to Tyron. Tyron hands the man three silver pieces as he takes the bundle from him. The man looks Tyron in the eyes as the toothy grin creeps back on his face. The flailing sail is two blocks east and one block south of here. On the corner, you can't miss it. And be sure to put in a good word, okay? I'll do just that. Tyron takes the bundle in his hand and tucks it into his arm as he turns and starts heading toward the flailing sail. He walks a bit faster than normal, trying to put some distance between himself and the vendor. When Tyron thinks that he is far enough away from the vendor, he smiles and lets out a small chuckle to himself as he thinks about what just happened. Tyron's uncle told him stories of how, in his adventuring days, he would convince people into believing he was anything from a friendly ghost to a malevolent statue, though not always for the noblest of reasons. A few years ago, while traveling across Gree, Tyron found himself in a similar situation, though that time ended poorly. Tyron rounds the corner and starts heading south toward the coast when he spots a small bench by the side of the road and decides to sit and eat something before heading to the tavern. He takes his bag off his shoulders and places it in front of him as he sits on the bench opening the bundle. He looks at the six half-circle meat pies laid out before him for a brief moment before trying the first one. It could have been his hunger or the fact that they were just delicious that made him devour the first one in only a few bites. Tyron looks at the five remaining and thinks about saving some for later, but not before having one more. He eats the second meat pie slower, allowing himself to really enjoy his meal as he takes in his surrounding. Between where he is seated and the flailing sail were two buildings opposite each other toward the end of the block. One looks to be a boutique of some kind, prominently displaying their wares in the front window. The other building at first glance appeared to be a storehouse, but looking closer, he could see people going in and out of it. Tyron finishes his second meat pie and puts the rest away for later inside the tin box from his bag. He stands up and slings his bag back onto his shoulders. 
and heads for the dark brick building on the corner to get a closer look. Karen walks up to the building and sees the large window of the storefront reads, Gatelay's Imports and Surplus Supply House. Through the window, he could see shelves lining the walls filled with all sorts of equipment and knickknacks. Near the back, he could see a man descending a ladder behind the counter. Tyron decides to go inside and shop for supplies for his journey. He had managed to piece together the majority of what he would need for his journey, but was lacking a few items such as rations and lamp oil. Opening the door to the store results in a little bell ringing as he steps inside. Tyron could see that the inside of the store was rather small compared to the outside, but every inch of the store had something on display. Tyron passes by a few armor racks as he approaches the counter in the back. From the doorway to his left steps a middle-aged human man with short graying brown hair and half-moon spectacles that sit near the tip of his nose. He adjusts his green vest as he walks up to the back side of the counter to greet the potential customer. Yes, how may I help you today, good sir? I'm looking for a few odds and ends. Do you happen to have lamp oil and rations? Sure do, right this way. The man steps from behind the counter and leads Tyron over to a shelf that has several flasks lined up on it, each in slightly different containers. Here they are. You can take your pick. Is there any difference between them? Not aside from the shape, no. They were made by different people, hence the different design. Most people buy whichever one they think looks the worst or feels the most different. Why is that? Probably so they're not tempted to drink from it, is my guess. You make that mistake once and it sticks with you. The old man chuckles a little to himself. Tarn picks up a generic-looking tan flask with iron trimming on the top and sides. I take it you're not from around here. What makes you say that? I've never seen you around before. That and most people who come by asking for adventuring supplies, bedrolls, oil, rations and such are usually from someplace near or going someplace far. The name's Willem, by the way. Tarn, nice to meet you. Rations are kept behind the counter. Willem ushers Tyron over to the counter before stepping behind it. He reaches into his vest pocket at his waist and retrieves a small ring of keys which he thumbs through effortlessly without even having to look to identify the correct key. He takes a small key and unlocks a wooden cupboard tucked into the wall. The wooden door is part revealing a nearly full cabinet containing rations, clay jugs, and other dried goods. How many do you need? How much are they apiece? They're five silver each. Tyron ponders this a moment, trying to work out how much he's willing to spend now out of his savings. He concludes that the journey to Frosch shouldn't take him more than two days to reach by wagon, and should he find things too expensive there, he would at least have something to sustain himself until after the Battle of the Bards. I'll take four, no, three. Tyron remembers that he has the lamp oil still in his hand. Do you happen to sell loot strings? Let me see. I should have some. Willem takes three rations from the shelf before shutting it and moving over to a series of drawers. He starts opening them in sequence, scanning the contents of each quickly before discovering the item he sought. He removes several bundles of thin metal cords, each separated by a thin band of fabric to keep them from unraveling or becoming tangled. He places the strings and rations on the countertop before spreading them out evenly as if he were putting them on permanent display. Tyron places the lamp oil flask next to the other items, taking note of the apparent symmetry being presented. Will this be all? Yes, that'll be all. Uh, how much in total? Well, let's see. Three rations at five silver apiece, a flask of lamp oil for one silver, and a set of loot strings, which, I'll be honest, have been here for a while, uh, are also silver. 
All told, it'll be 17 silver. Tyre thinks this sounds like a fair deal and reaches into his coin pouch when the captain's parting words come back to his memory. As quick as the thought presented itself, it vanishes. Tyre counts out 17 silver and hands it to Willem, who smiles a warm smile as he takes the coins, his cheeks nudging his half-moon spectacles back up his nose ever so slightly. Tyre carefully scoops up his items and places them in his bag. Thank you. No, thank you. Feel free to come back anytime and safe travels on your journey. Tyre nods as he navigates back through the aisles to the front door before noticing an armor stand he hadn't seen on his way in. He slows his pace down to a stop as he examines it. It appeared to be finely crafted out of worked leather and about his size. He knew for certain it was out of his budget at the moment, but he swore to himself long ago that one day he would own all the gear adventurers do including fine armor such as this. He continues toward the door and opens it, causing the bell above the door to jingle as he steps through back onto the street. Directly across from the shop is his current destination, the flailing sail.